0: Hello and welcome to JasonNewland.com My name is Jason Newland and this is Let Me Bore You to Sleep. Please only listen when you can safely close your eyes. Now, I didn't make a recording yesterday. I didn't honest I didn't I can't even remember why I can't remember why There must there must have been a reason. There's always a reason I don't know why it was So Oh well. Um, Right, just seeing if there's any messages, but they're they're new messages. By the way, if you'd like me to read your message out on these recordings, I will, I'm happy to. Just to say, hey, hello, Uh, happy birthday or happy anniversary Generally, do these uh, daily, so you know, you kind of almost guaranteed that I shallst do it. Oh, what's this? Showtime, start your free trial. Oh man. So, hmm. today I've been cleaning the carpets Um, basically what happened is, the carpets got dirty so I needed to clean them. No, what happened is there was building or I don't know what it was but the council was digging up pavement just the other side of the garden all day I'm talking all day long from I guess nine maybe a little bit later to uh, probably about four three thirty four something like that So it was, it was was very, very noisy. Very noisy. So I couldn't sleep, not properly, with that going on. So i I had my um, what they noise cancelling headphones that I can wear, but I can't wear them in bed because. They're too big, you know. I could, if I laid on my back, I could lay, I could wear them in bed. But if I lay on my back um, with the sleep apnea, I you know stop breathing, and that's not great. So for me to sleep, I need to be on my side. Can't do that with headphones on. And so what I was doing is, I watched. What did I watch? I watched something. I can't remember what it was. With my headphones on. And then... um, What I was amazed about, really. It's amazing. Just by putting the headphones on. Without even... Listening to anything. It blocked out. I'd say 90% of the sound. I could hardly hear it, really. Amazing. Really good headphones. So, I started thinking, "Mm," because I needed to clean my carpets. I need to do them every week, really, but I haven't done them for about two weeks. And there's one, two, three main bits that needed doing. There's another bit, but I've kind of ignored that because it's not it's not that bad actually. But those three bits that really needed proper doing. So I thought, mm, as the noise volume is so ridiculous anyway, I might as well do it and get that done because the cleaning. Well, first of all, vacuum. And then the carpet cleaning machine itself is very, very volumey. It's very, very loud. Which it's okay. I'm not not that bothered. But I, I've got used to it now. Not not the the volume, but I've got used to how to use it. And the knack is to go really slowly. Because when you push forward over the dirty carpet area, you you push the nozzle or hold the lever and it releases the the liquid or the water with the liquid. It's warm water with the cleaning liquid. And then... You know, I do it in strips. So I just go, you know, a bit like mowing the lawn, I guess. Um, Just go straight and then go slowly and then release the nozzle and it starts to suck the water back up. And I go really slowly back in order for as much of that water to then be collected. As possible so i'm hoping i'm hopey 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 that i managed to get the carpets drier than last time because they started to smell a bit just from having been damp and what i'm thinking of doing is get myself some oh, this is really boring isn't it um <laughs> what i'm thinking of doing is getting some febreze spray uh, which should uh Kind of neutralize the, <laughs> it's like an advert, neutralize the odors with Febreze. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to plan to do. So I'm quite pleased. I also did some laundry as well. Again, another noise making activity. Uh, so I mean, the, the cleaning's never done, you know, the tidying's never complete. There's always something to do, but the majority of the it's just not, it looks a lot nicer now than it did. And knowing it's done feels quite good, actually. Feels quite, I feel I've really not accomplished something, but I suppose, yeah, it did something, you know, did. Uh, I made a difference to my environment in the now. <laughs> and I don't know what that means. Oh, yeah, I know what I was listening to. I was watching a documentary on Milton H. Erickson, which is on Amazon. And then I started watching a documentary on Zig Ziglar, again, on Amazon. And I did not know that these documentaries were on there. It's like wow, because I searched, I put in hypnosis, and, and uh, I can't—I don't know what other things I put in, but or self-help or self-development and stuff, and a bunch of stuff came up. Some was not available to watch; you know, I had to pay for it or had to sign up for another channel. I don't know what that channel is. But these were free. Well, they're not free because I'm paying. I pay Amazon seven ninety nine a month, and you know, these were part of that package. And I was like, wow, two really really good documentaries that I wanted to watch. And the first one, I think it was called Wizard of the Desert. The wizard, the wizard of the desert, something like that. And I remember when there was talk about the documentary being made years ago and Milton H. Erickson for those that don't know who he is uh, he was a pioneer in hypnosis and I think he died in 1980 I think Maybe 82, something like that. And he was, he was, he's very, very famous and well known in the hypnosis world of which I am, I suppose, part of, I guess. And I've got books by him, I've read books by him, I've listened to audio recordings by him, I have seen videos of him in action, but there's not much video footage. And what is available is very grainy and old. Um, is that you, Andre? Huh. Sounds like he's, he's banging his tail against the floor. Which is a bit weird. So, yeah, generally, uh, so I was watching that, and then Zig Ziglar is. He's also gone now as well. He's he's no longer alive. He was uh, pretty much the very first motivational speaker that I ever heard on tape. So I used to buy the tape recorders, uh, tapes for a tape recorder back in the. I think about ninety seven, nineteen ninety seven, 1997 and they didn't have them in CD format they just in tape and then they got released in CD format and I upgraded probably in the early 2000s and one of his most famous albums if you want to call it or training courses was called I'll See You at the Top and this, what was it? Oh, there was another thing I was watching as well. Oh, that's a separate thing, uh, anyway. So, yeah, I saw I'll See You at the top, and quite a few sales tapes. Now, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but in my 20s i was a little bit obsessed with selling now i didn't sell anything but i wanted to be a salesman from the age of 18 when i first started doing double um yeah canvassing for double glazing i started buying sales books and reading them And for some reason, I continued even, you know, up to the end of the the 90s. I was reading and listening to audios and on selling. And I got my first sales job when I was uh, 31. Now, the fact that I did so well in selling in the company anyway. I mean I was never rich but I there was limits doing telesales. There was definitely limits I was never gonna be able to I suppose unless I became like a manager and then perhaps became you got you know started my own company or something like that. Or moved into a field where there was money to be made like yachts or private planes, you know, selling stuff like that. And that's money. And I guess uh, selling mentions and you know. So there's that would have been a good way of making money. But I didn't I didn't really have the self belief that I could do that. I was good at the sales the telesales and I was also reading and listening to tapes and studying sales for you know a few years in the early uh, in my early thirties as well while I was selling so i I stopped reading those books once I stopped, I probably stopped reading them about 94 or 93 probably, I stopped reading sales books. I was still reading hypnosis books but I stopped reading sales books um, because I no longer really wanted to do sales even though I did end up going back into a sales, well two sales jobs in fact. Uh, yeah so anyway that that's a little secret of mine I wanted to, I just used to read sales books and I'd be working in a factory somewhere earning practically nothing and I had this dream of being a salesman not a salesperson you know and I applied for quite a few sales jobs during that time, during the 90s, and got given all of them because it was commission only, commission only, they're the words that, well luckily you can't hear anymore because there's a basic salary uh, legally in this country now. Um, which would have been brilliant for me then because at least I could have started with a little bit of a safety net and you know but never mind so let me think of all the different sales jobs I did well I did a sales job in 1990 again commission only And this is before I went to London or before I went back to London. And it was selling, uh, what was this selling? What's that thing where you share accommodation and you you basically own own a holiday location for two weeks a year? That thing, I forget the name of it. But timeshare, that's it, timeshare. That was quite big in the 80s and 90s. And so I joined this company. (laughs) They enticed people to come along to watch a presentation, which would be a video of... Beautiful video, really lovely, you know, going about all all the benefits and how wonderful the place is. and, And then... At the end of the video, the presentation, they would get to sit at a table with one of us salespeople and to try and convince them to sign on the dotted line. Now to encourage people to come along to this free thing, giving up their time, they would be guaranteed a gift, which could be a car. But it might not be a car. In fact, it's very unlikely it was ever going to be a car. But they they worded it in such a way that people used to turn up by train, thinking that they were going to drive the car home. So... There's always been a little part of me that's not really a big fan of dodgy people... Just, you know, a little bit like, uh, and it seemed a little bit, probably a lot actually, uh, manipulative and blatant lying, possibly. So I would wonder from that situation, what what were they being truthful about the deal they were doing? of course I, I didn't know I didn't really know much about timeshare other than what I'd been taught in the training and I remember later on in the 90s there was a lot of uh, a lot of scams a lot of timeshare scams that were revealed in the newspapers and on television and people had invested money in these timeshares only to find out that there was nothing there, or you know, it had been double sold, or I don't know, I'm making that a bit up, but there was something, some of them were a bit dodgy, not all of them, but some of them. Uh, so it got a bit of a bad reputation, I think. Uh, I'm not sure, it might still happen. I mean, I've known people that have had timeshares and they're very happy with a timeshare. They go to the same place every every year for two weeks and they're happy. You know, it's perfect and they've been doing it for a long time. So I guess it's different different companies and different kinds of people would sell that stuff. So I didn't know what I was doing. And one of the things I liked about the place is the people. I got on really well with the people that were working there. And we were all kind of in the same, the same kind of space, you know. Some were dressed better than others. I wasn't one of the best dressed people there. Uh, I'm not sure. I probably just had trousers and a shirt. Uh, underpants probably but there was what was it Um, yeah I think some people I think had a bit of support so they could last longer without getting paid And some people weren't really good under pressure, you know. I wasn't one of those, really. I I didn't fit either of those criteria. I needed money to pay my rent and buy food. And I couldn't even afford, really, the travel to get there. I had an early morning cleaning job, I think, at the time. Which was just getting me through. In fact, I I might have had two cleaning jobs. And then, no, early morning cleaning job. Yeah, and then I'd go to this job. So i finish at, I don't know, 7th, 8th. Wow, I can't remember. Huh. I'm sure it wasn't a 9 o'clock start. It was something like 11 o'clock. For some reason it was quite a late start in the morning because they needed to get people, people were travelling from all over to go there thinking that they'd want a car. Anyway, the... Yeah, I I quite liked it but... I remember... I, I nearly got a sale... In fact, they said yes, and then once they went into the room with the actual person that was going to get them to sign the contract, they backed out and said no. So I don't know if it's something the person said to them. Maybe it was the small print or, you know, who knows, or perhaps it was just because it was someone else getting them to sign it. Maybe if I'd have been the one to get them to sign it, they might have just continued. I, who knows? There's no way of knowing. All I remember is... I told them about my... I, I just had them laughing. I was telling the people about my trip to Spain, where I went to Spain for the afternoon... And they found it hilarious. So I just... And I thought, oh, this is the way in. Just make them laugh. Get them laughing and... um, I suppose I had a few sales techniques... embedded in my brain that I'd kind of forgotten about. Because I'd been studying the year before... sales. And... I had been doing canvassing again earlier in the year, nineteen ninety as well. So I kind of I think if I'd have had the time and the you know the luxury of not needing to earn any money eventually I, I you know I would have I think I probably would have been fairly okay at that job. I think I would have learned and adapted and become quite good at it. I think, possibly. I've not really any way of knowing, but based on my limited experience doing it, I was semi successful in the sense of someone wanted to, someone said yes, and then they backed out. And I only saw a few people. And then I just didn't go back anymore because I couldn't afford to. So I was there for about, I don't know, five days, four or five days. So that was that one. And then, I'm not sure if I can remember all of them. But there was, I had a sales job selling the Henry Henley Regatta. So this was when I was in London. And... I went to this place, and it was expensive. You know, the Henley Regatta is quite a a big occasion for people that have money, and this was selling. I don't know what they called. I forget what they called. They're basically, trying to contacting companies and offering them. Like a, a deal where they come along and they get looked after and they get drink and food and whatever, sort of uh, yeah, some commercial, not commercial. Anyway, it's like a business thing. Anyway, so so I had tra- I had training in that, told what to say and you know, giving information about the Henry Regatta. It's only once a year and they was they were selling it long before the event. You know, they were phoning people up. So I had a phone and a telephone directory. That was it. And there was this god must have been about 20 people in the office and I'm not sure how many days I lasted I mean it was one of the things that made me think that it was genuine well it was genuine I think but one of the things that made me thought that this could be a job apart from it being uh, I think commission only is the commission was about a thousand pound so it was, I think it was about £10,000 was the sale and it was like 10% commission so for me back then I'd never earned, well for a long time I hadn't earned more than about £100 a week to suddenly get £1,000 would be quite cool and I thought oh, it just they're just taking people on It's a numbers game. They're just taking people on with the hope that someone's going to have the skills to sell. And they're not paying anyone anything anyway unless they sell. So what are they losing? But there was someone that came into the office that made me think, hmm, maybe this could be a job. And I asked about him because basically this, this man walks in is probably in his forties, maybe late thirties, forties. Really nicely dressed. Briefcase sits down at a table. He's not a manager, it's not he's just a salesperson just like me. The same as I was but he'd been doing it for a long time and he was earning a lot of money doing this. And he was closing quite a few a day. I mean, that's a lot of money coming in, isn't it? And I thought, oh. I was a little bit like, I wish I could. Because, again, I was in a situation where I had no money, nothing, nothing saved. Needed to pay the rent, buy food. So I had to leave before I got very far. I had... I think I had four that were interested. Four people that were interested. And it was about sending sending the information out by fax. And then getting them to contact back. And Because I was fairly... Andre, what are you doing? Because I was fairly conversational on the phone. I think that was helpful. They couldn't see that my... But my shirt needed cleaning (laughs) over the phone. So, you know, I could be equal to anyone on the phone. And I got quite close on one of them. Uh, Really, you know, it's like... And then it was a no. You know, it was a sort of similar situation as before. But it was very close. And I'm... I might be making this up I'm pretty sure one of the people that ran the place said to me that I had potential but I didn't have I ran out of time so I just had to just just, just didn't go back so that was you know that was a good I kind of feel that my life I should I was a little bit underused in a way in in my 20s. I could have done more with my life. I could have done more with my ability to talk about nothing and sales and stuff. I could have, I don't know, I think maybe. And then I got another job in sales in the 90s. And this was a friend had a job. My friend got me a job. But this was... Um, wasn't only Yeah, it wasn't only um commission, it was also a basic, but a very small basic. But I didn't like it. I didn't like the job. It was selling till roll, you know, rolls that go into tills. And the amount of people that thought I was saying toilet roll <laughs> not a good start, is it? Like, I'm going to phone someone up trying to sell them toilet roll. Mind you, I suppose people do sell toilet roll, don't they? So, yeah, anyway, I... um, I did get some sales. So it wasn't that I didn't get any sales on that one. But it was... I just couldn't. I just didn't like it. You know, I just... uh, So, uh, this was... Yeah, I phoned up my insurance, the security company and said, can I come back? And they said, yeah. So I said, sorry, I'm, I'm not coming back here. And all I did is just sit in the office with, a te- again, telephone directory. And I, I don't, I never, never enjoyed the outward calls, really. I uh, prefer inward calls and I've done thinking about it I don't really I don't class those jobs as being jobs that I've had, but they were so I don't class them as sales jobs um but I suppose yeah technically they were I also did count um canvassing in London in nineteen eighty nine and early nineteen ninety I, did, I had two different ca- other canvassing jobs. One was for insurance, life insurance. Well, I was knocking on people's doors. That's a very more salesy than canvassing. That was actually sort of um, a bit more involved. And then I had a job canvassing for Sky. As uh, is the the job was offering people to so knock on their doors offer them to have a sky disc so they could have um, sky television you know all the channels and stuff and to have that for for free didn't have to pay a single penny for the first I don't know three months maybe six months and then if they wanted to keep it then they would get charged, unless they cancelled, and they had to call us up to cancel it, and then we'd come and get come and get the dish back. Now, at the time, Sky was a bit of a joke. You know, in the newspapers, they just like said it was rubbish, and when actually it turned out to be really good. But at the time, at the time in 1989 1990 it wasn't popular but by the late 90s it was popular and by the 2000s and 2010s to, you know so it's i mean, I I watch sky I don't watch I used to have sky when I first moved in here I don't have Sky Now but I've got the Now TV package which you can just pay for monthly and all the all the entertainment uh, uh, things are on there like the box sets and stuff like that and you can watch TV live Sky 1, Sky 2, Sky 5, Sky 7 and all that stuff Uh, Fox uh, I don't know National Geographic, maybe, and there's different packages. You know, you can you can pay for the sport one as well, but that's a lot of money, a lot more money. Uh, or the films, you can watch the movie channel, but again, that's like twelve pound ninety nine a month or something. So I don't have that. So I did that for probably a week. I think I was working with someone I didn't like so I think that's why I didn't continue because I was working during the day anyway so I was not reliant upon it but I was trying to get some more money because at the time I think I was earning less than £100 a week I was earning about £90 80 £89 a week which is, you know very small amount of money and even then and then so i got this and it was commission yeah i think both both of these canvassing jobs were commission only so or were they i don't know isn't that weird? I can't remember. I do kind of wish I'd kept it though, because I had nothing to lose. Not really. I could just, I had my day job. I was going out five nights a week for, I don't know, two, three hours. I was getting taken where I was going, so I didn't. I got picked up and got took and got dropped off, you know, again home or near home. I suppose realistically, it was just tiring to be working full time all day and then doing that in the evening. But if I'd have stuck actually either of those, like life insurance, getting into the life insurance business could have been. I could have gone down like a career path with that and then Sky if I'd have stuck at that I could have got good at it I think and convinced people what a great offer it was just to have a dish for nothing for three months or however long and I think the money was pretty good if people I think there was a commission if people stayed If people took the dishes... You get like something... But if they kept the dish... After the three months... Then there was another... um, You know... Bonus... And they also... If I remember rightly... There was... Opportunity to start your own teams... Of canvases... So I could have took that... To my, you know, back to where I used to live, and because I knew I had a team already that I could have got together to canvas. As you saying that, I tried that before and it didn't work due to laziness. It's totally true. Back in '89, and I think it was, yeah, it was the end of the summer, the company that we worked for in canvassing wanted to do radio advertising so we all lost our jobs I found a yeah I went into the into the next town and I found a company that would pay me to canvas for them but it would be a you know, if I had to get a certain amount of leads and they would pay that money if I got a certain amount of leads every week. So I I put it to the people that I knew, found someone to drive us and everything, and they all just let me down. I had a contract signed and everything. And it would just been easy, it would have just been exactly the same as what we were already doing. But hey that didn't happen, so that was the three. that was I was really motivated back then. I remember walking in and saying, Yeah, I'm here to make you money. I'm here to get you get you get you uh I say patience, get you customers. I'm here to get you customers. Yeah Yeah. I'm trying to think what other what other sales sales jobs I had during that period because I had the the mobile phone contract sales job in 2001 where it was phoning out and I was really good at that I ended up being the second best second top you know I was number two, that's what I mean, I was number two, that doesn't sound right, I wanted to be number one, who wants to be number two, and I then went into, I got a sales job in insurance, and then I had another two sales jobs in insurance after that, so yeah, that's I had four paid sales jobs where I got a salary plus commission. So four. And yeah, I I did well with all of them, kind of sales-wise. So I'm just trying to think before that, whatever. There were others. There were. And the reason I know is because I remember one particular place... It was in East London. It definitely wasn't the regatta one. And I went... And for some reason, this, this lady or girl, and I was pretty young at the time myself, probably 25. She was... I don't know how old she was. But she really liked me, really liked me. And but I just can't remember what it was we were selling because I didn't go back or I can't remember what it was that I didn't sell because I didn't go back because it was definitely 95 because it was that period another period when I was sort of desperate for money Oh, do you want to hear the most desperate thing I ever did? Totally true. Oh, dear. Here's the most probably delusional and desperate thing mixed together that I did. This is back in 97. Yeah, 97. Everything had gone a bit weird. Um... I'd lost my job I and mean, all, all these things happened so I was very I was in need of getting some money <sighs> and I was down to probably my last five pound something like that I went to a talent contest in a pub it was a singing contest in a pub where basically they just played the music on the karaoke or you could take your own tape in you know which a lot of people did because they were professionals or semi-professionals I went in because I needed to I needed to win that 50 pound or 100 pound or whatever it was it was my last it was almost like my last chance to to, I don't know, just get something I couldn't, I'd run out of Ideas and options at the time. And I, I went there and I, I think I had a Coke. So I didn't have enough to buy a beer and I spent the rest of my money on a ticket to get there. And I sung George Michael. I think it was Faith. Uh, yeah, I think that's the song I sung. And it was okay. You know, I didn't sing it badly, but the singers that were there were like really good, like professional singers and young. Most of them were a lot younger than me. And I just, I left. I, uh, you know, I, got, I had a chat and had a laugh with a few of the people, the other contestants and stuff. And because I'd been doing the comedy circuit, I knew I knew what it was like to do a, a new act or open mic show. I'd done hundreds of them, so I knew I knew what the the vibe was like. So it was nice. It was really nice to get out actually, just to Andre oh that's it go on to the toilet and put the carpet that I haven't cleaned that's it No, don't go over to the paper no that's a good boy (laughs) blimey thanks mate you know how much work I put in today cleaning the parts of the carpet which wouldn't need to be done if it wasn't for you he just swore at me did you hear him and anyway I, I sung my song and then I left it wasn't because of how I sung my song it was because of how other people were singing their songs that is so good Andre can you hear him I'm not even sure what he's trying to do, but I help him sometimes. You know, it's, um, if it looks like he's trying to put a jumper into the bag, I'll put the jumper into the bag for him or if he's trying to move something somewhere that he wants it to be, but he can't fit it, I'll give him a hand. But I think sometimes it's best just to leave him to to do it, because it's, uh, what does it call it, enrichment, enrichment or something. So he can actually do it and... I suppose get benefits, get benefited from it. <laughs> do it and get benefited from it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's kind of what I try and do a bit more. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, and I left this place and I went back home. And the only real—I've not been to that many nights, talent nights that weren't just solely comedy. I've been to a few. Um, my very first, my the very, the f- my very, my two first gigs—the very first two gigs I ever did—were for talent shows. That weren't specifically comedy. Ironically, one was for the for a, a Sky, the Sky New Talent show, which was Sky Television, and I oh, had no idea what I was doing. I just went on and it was in, I don't know, was it was in Croydon or somewhere. And this was in 1990. This is before I even moved to London. So I went up to London. Went to this audition. And it was big. Loads of people. And I just stood on this stage thing. And just told, told some jokes. Or at least I thought they were jokes. And then I went home. <laughs> it was... It was, it was an experience but I didn't know what I was doing you, you know I'd never done it before and then my very first gig in London like when I moved to London rather was in a pub and I f- don't really remember it very well I've got very vague memory because I'm sure sure it was the same week as my first comedy club I went to. So the first comedy club would have been on a Wednesday and this was January... I think it was January 23rd, 1991. Let me check that. Isn't that that weird if it's going to be right? It's 16th or the 23rd. I think it was the 23rd. So. January... Twenty third, nineteen ninety one Wednesday. Wow, it was a Wednesday. The US President was George H. W. Bush, the UK Prime Minister was Sir John Major. Um, wow. Well. So I'm just wondering. So anyone that was born in January 1991 will be nearly 30 years old now. There are 29 years and 9 months. Is that right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. See, I remember that. Anyway, so the pub I went to it was like a a talent show, and there was people singing and doing magic, and me not sure what I was doing, but yeah. I was too rubbish to even be embarrassed I really didn't know what I was doing genuinely did not know what I was doing but hey everyone's got to start somewhere and another talent show that I remember was one that I ended up judging how on earth this happened I don't know but I ended up at a pub with my cousin in Essex somewhere and we were both from East London well we both lived in East London and we were ended up in Essex I don't know how we ended up there and we were asked if we would do some judging because we weren't from the area they thought Oh, would you judge because the judge hasn't turned up or something so me and him sat on the judge judging thing as well as I think two other people because they didn't want someone that was local uh, because the local girl singer was the favourite and they didn't want to give favouritism towards her <sighs> yeah okay well we watched everyone everyone was good everybody not one there wasn't a honestly all the singers it was all singing it was a singing contest and they were all really really good and I just judged everyone I was drinking so I wasn't paying that much attention I don't think (laughs) And then I think the I think it was halfway through and someone came and had a look at the the marks because the favourite had already been on. And uh the landlord came over I think it was something like that and he said, Um, just to let you know if you don't... Yeah, if you don't let that little girl win, if you don't put her as the winner, you're going to be lucky to get out of here alive. Because everyone in here is supporting her. And I was like, really? So I, I found it hilarious. I don't know why. And... I said, I don't care if you want... I'll, I'll put her down as a winner. I don't... We couldn't care and my cousin seemed a bit worried and I just I don't know why I don't know why I found it funny maybe it because I was drinking or whatever but so she won you know the little girl that was destined to win won very unfair I didn't think it was I mean she may well have been the best singer I can't remember but It's not really the way to do things, is it? Uh, Especially as they said that we won there, so that didn't happen. That's why they asked us to... Why ask two complete strangers to do that anyway? Especially if it meant something to them. And it was a big prize. It was uh, something like... um, An opportunity to perform at Butlins or something. If you won the overall because there's the Essex you know if you won the Essex one and then you go on to win you know there's regionals and then the national one Uh, and it was held at Butlins and stuff and I don't know something like that I wasn't completely listening to what they said and afterwards at the end of it did we let her win? I can't remember if we did let her win either way I didn't care um, but she did win and it was a few people like people like staring at me and like, uh, my, my cousin wanted to get out he wanted to leave and I said no no so when the competition was ended I ended up going on doing karaoke and singing and singing to the people that were <laughs> been trying to be intimidating to me it was so funny I don't know why, I just, a bitter. what's the right word, childish, <laughs> I find stuff like that funny, it's like getting so excited about things that are not really that important, Yeah, of course they want their kid to win, but why would you want your child to win unless your child was the best? You know, if there was someone else, it's like a comedy show. I I wouldn't even want, I entered comedy shows, comedy talent shows, loads of them. I didn't want to win over someone that was getting more laughs than me it never happened anyway but I did I did quite well in one competition I got through to the the final but the thing is the person that gets the most laughs deserves to win it's as simple as that so the best singer deserves to win but then singing is well, so is laughter I suppose it's different laughter you can hear you can hear it if there's six comedians, or twelve comedians, you can tell which one has had the best reception, generally, yeah, you know, from the laughter. With singers, it's a little bit different, especially if they're kids. You don't, you know. I think what I did, I basically gave them all top marks, or bottom marks. One of them, I might have just put them down as one, two, five, six, just random. Little flashback to when I was doing my exams yeah a little bit of a troublemaker really I don't know it was funny though it really was funny especially as I was almost at that time this was in the late 90s you know maybe even 2000 so you know I I was almost a veteran of those kind of shows those talent contests Performing in front of people that didn't know who I was—I'd done it hundreds of times, myself, as well as doing karaoke and singing in front of people, hundreds of times. Always got a better response when I sung to when I was trying to tell jokes. So it just kind of—it's hard to be intimidated by that environment when you've done it so often. Oh, I know. Did I make that up? I might have done. I can't remember. It might all be made up now. Now. Diddly, diddly, diddly down. So that's it. I think I'm going to go. Thank you very much for listening, remember to be kind to yourself because you deserve to be happy, lots of love, bye.